Well, hey everyone, how are ya? Episode one of the podcast, coming at you live from Barrington, Illinois. I'm here in the kitchen at Fox Point, my grandparents' home. I'm two cups of coffee deep. Let's get into it. Episode one, talk about Bill's early days. Growing up in Marshfield, Wisconsin, we get into how much candy costs in that time and how it's risen exponentially since then. We also talk a little bit about him losing his father at an early age, how he was able to bounce back from that. And we talk about a lot of stuff, so keep listening. (laughs) I hope you would if you're just starting an episode and you're probably scrolling over my voice right now. So anyhow, today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Rick and Sue Gentry. Thanks for your support. Help make this happen. Help me buy my blah. help me buy my plane ticket. Not gonna edit that out. Help me make it happen. Get me here. So thank you so much, Rick and Sue. Personal friends of mine, pretty close to me. I live with them sometimes. Yeah. So without further ado, here's Bill Bay. Okay. So 1934, right? Is that the year of the birth? That's my birth date. Okay. And uh, just a little fun fact here. Did you know that I cost, uh, the cost of a gallon of gas at that time was just 10 cents? No, I, the best I remember was uh, uh, five gallons for a dollar, 1999. 1999. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Not, not the year, but the price, $19.99. Got it. Um, and then loaf of bread, eight cents. It's changed a little bit since then, huh? When I was a kid, you could get a sweet roll for three cents. I remember that. Mm. And a Coke was a nickel. And a double-decker ice cream cone was a nickel. And a hot dog was 15 cents. (laughs) It makes sense why we're not using change as much these days, I guess. Yeah, we almost ought to consider, and we are, I guess, at one time, doing away with pennies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't used a penny in probably... I don't know how long. Really? Well, I do one. <laughs> when it's 91 cents, I give them the penny. <laughs> right. So tell me about Marshfield, how much you remember. Marshfield is, a, at the time, was a town of 10,000 people uh, in central, New York, uh, central Wisconsin. Um, they had a big clinic there, and um, that's where my mother worked as a nurse, uh, and that's where she met my dad. Uh, and uh, interesting story, my mother is about three years older than my dad and always felt very subconscious about that. And if you go up to Wisconsin and look at the tombstones, it does not show her date of birth. It only shows her date of death. Uh, she felt very uncomfortable uh, with people knowing that she was three years older than my dad. Uh, my dad uh, worked for Armour and Company. Um, I think I was born about two years after they got married. Um, he had a nice job at uh, there uh, managing the uh, poultry and egg division of Armour and Company. Um, as a kid, uh, during Thanksgiving when they would get the turkeys in, 
Um, and if a turkey would get out, my job was to chase him around and catch him. Um, uh, and I do remember uh, living, uh, uh, we rented a house next to a, um, a family called the Adlers who had seven children, uh, four boys and three girls. Um, they had a sandbox, a swing set, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, there was a a place called the Armory, which was being constructed by WPA workers, Work Progress Association. This was during the church, uh, the um, uh, Roosevelt Times. And I do remember uh, walking home from uh, the store with my mother uh, with a, uh, a dozen eggs uh, in the bag, or maybe it was separately, I don't know. But what I do remember is um, I dropped the bag and the eggs broke. And the workers were busy gobbling up the yolks as they <laughs> were laying on the ground. And, uh, and my mother was going nuts about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it was a sign of the times. Uh, people did not have a lot, a, a, a much money. We lived, the house we lived at was near the Sioux Line Railroad. And um, ever so often, uh, um, I don't know what you call them, hobos or bums, buns or whatever, bums, but they would, uh, come to the house and ring the doorbell um, asking for something to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, in most cases, my, my mother would give them something. They, they ate outside or uh, on the stairway, not, not coming into the house itself. Right. But um, it was uh, very uh, revealing to, to uh, see um, how how people were uh, coping with what was basically uh, the depression. I went to school about a mile from uh, where we lived, and we always walked to school. Uh, when I was younger, there was an older boy who would walk with me, uh, and then as I got older, I would walk with my sister, who was about four years younger than me. So you'd be lucky to get a double-decker ice cream for a nickel in those days. Uh, well, you know, I in those days, I think it would have been probably that price. The prices I gave you was when I was in Chicago. Because, oh, I, the only thing I do remember getting, two things. I do remember uh, a, a, a sucker, uh, Tootsie Pop, cost a penny at that time. And then uh, every Tuesday night during the summer, they had the band concert uh, across the street from uh, St. John's Church. And we would get a Holloway sucker, uh, which uh, cost five cents. And uh, you could eat it during, at least at our age, we could eat it during the concert and take it home and then eat the rest of it the next day. It was a really big sucker, a kind mm -hmm. of a, um, a square, uh, actually rectangular type thing. So you could see the depression affecting society in every step of the way. Well, um, only in those two instances. I mean, we lived uh, well, and uh, uh, we didn't see uh, our neighbors uh, struggling that much. Um, uh, there were two things I remember about our neighbors. Uh, one is we had an ice house, which was uh, across the street and down the block, and uh, uh, that's where, um, in those days, if people didn't have regular refrigerators, they, they would get blocks of ice delivered to them, and that would be their way of uh, keeping things cold. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I remember is scarlet fever uh, hitting 
um, a lot uh, at that time. And they would put signs in the window which told you not to go into that house in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, it was also a time, as you know, uh, uh, which I do remember very well, uh, when, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, 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 December, no, it was whenever the war started, uh, December 7th, um, mm-hmm. and on a Sunday, and I remember sitting in the living room with my dad and his reaction to it as it came over the radio, and I'd, I'd never seen him so distressed. And mm-hmm. uh, at that time, I was uh, seven years old, but uh, the impression, uh, I, I didn't really understand the severity of what was happening, but I, I realized the impact on my dad. Was, this is the, the Pearl Harbor bombings? Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, December 7th, 41. 41. And then as a kid, they would always have uh, in the paper, uh, they would show uh, where the Allies were and where the Axis was, and I'd follow the uh, the um, uh, progress uh, based on where the coloring. If it was the Axis, it was Axis, and if it and black, mm-hmm. uh, and if it was uh, Allies, of course, it was white and pure. Um, and uh, the uh, the other thing is, um, my dad uh, in the um, in the uh, winter time. Uh, would travel a lot, uh, and he would go to Pocahontas, Arkansas, uh, and that uh, the Armour and Company were making dehydrated eggs in those days, and he was responsible for that. So basically, he'd come home every other weekend, but he'd be gone over a three-month period pretty much um, uh, throughout the whole winter time, which is interestingly enough, that's where he had his car accident and, yeah. and died. Um, but uh, when he was home, um, he enjoyed, and I enjoyed, after supper, uh, playing either pinochle or, uh, not pinochle, cribbage we would play. We'd play checkers, and we even played chess. Um, and then every summer, um, we would go up to uh, uh, the Northwoods, which is northern part of Wisconsin. My dad liked to fish, and so uh, he would go out on the boat and I'd sit uh, on the back of the boat and he would row it and he'd troll and I'd have a a pole with uh, minnows out the back um, and uh, uh, we'd go fishing and and we'd we'd catch uh, walleye or or crappie or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two stories about that. One is my dad spent um, 50 cents, which is a lot of money in those days, to buy uh, suckers which the muskie uh, would eat. Um, and he always wanted to catch a muskie. And in order to keep a muskie, it had to be at least 31 inches or something like that long. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, uh, my mother went out with him with a cane pole. And uh, I remember when they came, and, and the guide, there always was a guide there too. And when they came back, my mother had the biggest smile on her face. The cane pole looked like it was broken in half. She had caught the muskie, he hadn't. And he never <laughs> did catch a muskie in his lifetime. But it, yeah. it, it, was, it was very interesting. Uh, and the other thing I remember being up there is they had a ping pong table one year. And uh, my dad and I were playing ping pong. And uh, I, think, well, I think it was him. He said, do you want to play for a dollar? You know, and I said, sure. You know, so we played a game up to 21 like you do in ping pong. And I won. 
and he said, do you want to make it $2? And, and uh, I said, sure, and I, and I won that, and it was $4, and we got up to $16, wow. and then he wanted to double it, you know. Yeah. It was, you know, double it each time. And I said, no, no, I don't want to double it. And he, so he started getting mad at me, and I remember my mother saying, now, Frank, it's your fault. You, got, you, you told the boy to do that now, and so he was. Yeah. <laughs> so I walked away with $16, and I felt, and in those days, that was a ton of money. But yeah. I think he figured eventually he'd beat me, and, and we'd be back to zero. But <laughs> ping, pong's, ping pong's always been a big part in my family. I feel like that may have been that's passed right, down. That's right, that's uh, right. It's, it's, it can get to be very frustrating. And, and yes, I, I remember playing sport. it, having it in your garage there, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, Marshfield, um, there's several things. The school we went to uh, was uh, St. John's Catholic School, and uh, I went through fourth grade there. Um, and um, didn't really have a lot of uh, friends at the school after school because being a mile away, uh, it wasn't like when you, you when you got through school you could basically uh, stay there, uh, and it wasn't like a block or two blocks away where you could stay there and then run home. I mean, basically, uh, we did all our playing around the neighborhood, and in, in those days it was uh, no big deal to just remember to come home for uh, lunch and come home for dinner. Um, mm -hmm. And the Adlers having uh, this nice playground area there next to them. Um, and I did manage to break my arm one, one time, so that was, that was interesting. It took a while for that to heal. You, um, um, you mentioned earlier this morning that uh, you'd work all these odd jobs. Are you, are you but that, not at, at Marshfield. Though. Oh, not at Marshfield. No, no, okay. that, 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 see, I, we moved uh, when I was... Uh, well, we moved uh, here to Chicago when I was nine years old. Nine years old. And okay. uh, that was my first uh, uh, interesting experience. Uh, my, I remember my dad saying, uh, you're nine years old, isn't it time you got a job? And, <laughs> and I, I had no idea whether nine-year-olds uh, did work or not. But anyway, I said, well, I, I don't know what I do. Well, it turns out the Chicago um, had a paper called the Chicago Times. Uh, <clears throat> right now it's called the Sun Times because it was the Sun, it was a separate paper. Mm -hmm. But uh, they would drop the paper off uh, a block from my house uh, on Walcott Avenue. Uh, I'd be, have to be there at that corner when they got come by and they'd drop off. And I don't know how many papers, but it was enough I could put in a, 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 what, a delivery bag, which you put around your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And then you went out and you delivered them to the addresses that were, that were on uh, uh, the route. Uh, and then we were responsible for collecting uh, the amount uh, that was due. And I, I do remember my first time collecting, getting into a big fight with a woman because uh, the delivery time went over a holiday. I don't know, it was Memorial Day or Fourth of July or whatever, and she didn't want to pay for the paper uh, for that day, and I insisted that she, but as it turned out, I didn't deliver a paper that day, but I just assumed you had to collect for, for a week because uh, they had a weekly uh, a fee, mm -hmm. and I found out later that uh, you don't collect for the Fourth of July, but nobody told me that. Mm -hmm. I, I got in a big argument with her about, about her paying for that, that paper. Um, so you weren't afraid to to bring it up, or to... well, no. I mean, it was either she paid or I paid, and it, I, I, and I don't even remember how much I was getting earning for for doing that. But that that all happened in Chicago. Um, 
Um, I've got a whole host of, of, of work stories I could tell you mm-hmm. as a kid in Chicago, but not in Marshfield. Okay. So you moved to Chicago when you were nine. And right. We moved. Uh, there was an interesting thing. Um, we, When my parents used to go, uh, I would think when my dad and mom went fishing and we were too young to go with them, um, they had a woman named Mrs. Poppy who would... Uh, come and take care of us and she always make butterscotch pie which i really really enjoyed mm-hmm. and um when it turned out my dad was being transferred to chicago mrs poppy came with us uh and we stayed at the montrose beach hotel which sounded incredible but as it turned out was a dive because it was down by montrose beach but it was really close and in those days that was an area that was really seedy um and i know my dad never expected and mom never expected uh, that the rooms we were in were going to be in this dive so we were only there about three days and we we got out of that and got somewhere else and i don't even know where we went but uh, but mrs poppy came with us and um uh we got uh turned out we rented a place which was across the street from another guy who worked at Armour and Company, and that's how my dad uh, realized uh, where where to to settle because he said there's a house for rent across the street, and they're two-story houses separated by a sidewalk, and we were on the second floor, and uh, um, it was a nice neighborhood. But there again, uh, when we moved in, um, we we had to decide, and this was by the way in the summertime, so we had to decide where we were going to go to school. And so my dad drove to the three parishes that were the nearest to our house, and everyone was an exact mile away, as it turned out. So we selected Our Lady of Lourdes, which is on the corner of Leland and Ashland Avenue. Hmm. Um, and uh, so there again, we, we had a fellow who was older than me, uh, and he would walk me to school, because uh, at that time I'm nine years old. And, um, uh, and the other thing that happened is uh, the next, that following year, they had a fire at the school. Hmm. And so they ended up having to close the school and move us over across the street to the park district, which had facilities for school. And so we spent the better part of uh, my my fifth grade um, in the um, uh, Park District uh, schools, not in the uh, uh, the Catholic school itself. Um, but uh, the thing about the school there at that time was that uh, uh, it was co-ed until you got to the seventh grade, and then the seventh grade was separated, boys and girls, and the eighth grade was separated, boys and girls. Needless to say. Um, for reasons they knew, but for our reasons, it it just it, it just incentivized us to be getting acquainted because they right. would play at different areas of the park and we would play at different areas of the park. But I was I was a, um, a patrol boy at that time, and so I had a, a white banner that went over my uh, shirt here, and I would stand there and. Uh, um, at the intersection of Wilson and uh, and uh, Ashland Avenue, um, there was a policeman there, of course, and we would then stop people from going against the light so that when the light turned green, then we would stand out and wave them on. And I got acquainted with the policeman, with the policeman who was there on the, on the beat, and we would have games trying to uh, pick 
different cars. We'd start with an A and then a B, and you know, Ford was an F, and you, you know, figured we didn't have all those foreign cars like you have now. <laughs> your, just, your alphabet was yeah, kind of restricted. But it wasn't so much just the car, but what year? Because mm. uh, in those days, they changed dramatically each year. You could you could almost tell exactly what year it is. But the game was for us to beat the guy, uh, the policeman, in terms of knowing the car. Needless to say, he was pretty good at that because yeah. that's his job. Right. But that was a fun thing. Mm. Um, and then whatever hap what happened then, which was very interesting, uh, I think at the time I was delivering papers too, but I don't remember it as specifically as when uh, Frankie Miller said to me that um, he was delivering groceries for a, a, a place and that he no longer wanted to do that and would I be interested in, in doing that. So I uh, went to the store at 1635 uh, West Montrose Avenue um, and uh, talked to them and they had a bike which had a huge basket on it and uh, they didn't have supermarkets in those days uh, they did open an AMP a few years later across the street from us but anyway people would call in and would um, say what they wanted and they'd order over the telephone and they would take the orders and write them on a bag what people had and then they'd fill the orders put them in a box and the box would lay on the floor when i'd come in after school uh, whatever boxes were on the floor with addresses on them i'd line it up and decide how many i could take if more than one at one time and then um, get in the bike and and ride to their house and at that time i got 10 cents for every delivery i made but um, you never knew every day how many deliveries you'd have. You could, you, you could go in and have only three or four, and you'd only make 40 cents or 50 cents. But um, that, was, that was the deal. And some people would give you tips, too. Not a lot, but some people would give you tips. Uh, and you'd have to carry uh, the, the um, um, groceries uh, to the house. Uh, and in, in Chicago, and the corners were always big uh, apartment buildings, uh, three-story apartment buildings. So you were always, um, uh, whenever you had an order there, you'd carry it up to the third floor. Uh, later, after a new uh, owner came in uh, to the store, um, he raised me to 15 cents an hour. Uh, and I did that um, pretty much through seventh and eighth grade uh, when I got out of uh, uh, grammar school then I I went into delivering newspapers I think that's when I I got started on delivering newspapers uh, and uh, uh, caddying I also got a job caddying at um, uh, uh, Pratt and Western Edgewater uh, uh, golf course and anybody who caddies who who knows goes back uh, probably, if certainly, if you're in the Midwest area, has heard the name Chick Evans. Mm -hmm. uh, have you heard of Chick Evans? No. Uh, anyway, Chick <laughs> Evans uh, it was the pro at Edgewater Golf Course, and he sponsored, or maybe people sponsored in his name, uh, Chick Evans Scholars. And there were easily, I would say, at least ten, if not more, scholars every year selected. Uh, to go uh, to Chick Evans, and Northwestern had a had actually had a facility that took Chick Evans scholars in, and they got all their tuition paid. Um, now they were caddies, basically, who had basically caddied for a long time. Um, I only caddied, I'm going to say, a year or two, because 
all you got was a dollar uh, uh, eighty cents for eighteen holes. So you're caddying for ten cents a hole, basically, uh, and that's fine. I wouldn't have minded that if I could have gotten out. But the problem was you'd get there and there'd be so many caddies, and then you'd have to wait until your number came up. Meantime, you're eating uh, frozen baby roos, which costs uh, five cents, and and you're spending a heck of a lot of your money here before you're even right. getting out. And 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 the golf course. I had to take a uh, uh, a, a, no, a, a streetcar to get to it, um, and so that cost a dime. So I really wasn't, uh, or eight cents. I really wasn't uh, gaining that much money. So I don't think I did that more than a, a year or two at the most. And then again, it's only the uh, uh, summertime. Whereas when I was delivering groceries, I, meant, I forgot to mention that I would deliver on that bike whether it was winter or summer. Uh, I never remember. Uh, having a sled to put them on. I, and uh, to be honest with you, all I'd have to do is find wherever I could get my bicycle uh, and I would I would drive it there. Yeah, you'd make uh, it happen. Uh, never, yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier that your dad would go to Arkansas and he'd be gone for um, long periods of time. Uh, well, he'd be gone. He'd come back every other week. And okay. uh, I know my mother used to say, you just wait till Frank gets home. Yeah. I'm going to tell him about this. And I remember my dad saying, how come when I come home, I've got to do discipline all the time when I can't go loving the kids? Yeah, right. Um, would you mind, um, I know it's a pretty big moment in your life, but do you mind uh, describing how that his uh, death, like his imp that impact had an effect well, on you? Well, th th there's a, a couple stories uh, in, in terms of that. Uh, our apartment uh, on Walcott had a bedroom which was right off the kitchen. And um, I had, that was my bedroom. Um, and uh, um, my mother uh, at the time, they uh, well, they had friends and um, when my dad was in town, of course, they'd go out on a Saturday night or, or go for dinner or, or they'd go to the Elks Club, which was big there for uh, cards or whatever the heck they did there. Uh, and um, these people were nice enough to um, include her in when my dad wasn't there. And so this was a Saturday night. Uh, it had to be probably around midnight or 11 o'clock. And I heard the phone ring um, because as I, it was in the kitchen and I heard the phone ring and I heard the most God awful scream you could ever hear. Uh, it was my mother. She had gotten the news on the, on the telephone and uh, she was just screeching. Of course, I come running out and tried to console her. And, uh, and I do remember that uh, it, it, was, uh, it was really something. Um, and the other thing I remember is the funeral. Uh, um, when we walked into St. John's, uh, you know, the family and everybody kind of fawning over us because I was 13 and she, my sister was nine. And I, I remember in my mind, you're not going to cry. You're not going to show that. And, and I didn't. Uh, but I did do it on the side uh, by myself a, a lot. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, the service uh, and all that, uh, um, and uh, uh, what what made it difficult was we did it up in Wisconsin because um, 
uh, let's see, I was 13. We went to, to uh, Chicago when I was almost 10. So we had only been in Chicago three or four years. And our roots were basically up in Wisconsin, particularly right. since my parents would go fishing up there and things like that. And so, uh, so um, the funeral was obviously going to be up there in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, 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 it was one of those things where... Um, Everybody said, now, Gert, are you going to come back to Wisconsin? And or she was had no interest in doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. She had some roots down here with friends and all that kind of thing. So we decided to stay in Chicago. But my mother never got a driver's license. She never learned how to drive a car. Mm-hmm. So we would always take the bus wherever we were going uh, and or the streetcar or the elevated. Um, and then in the summertime, we'd get on a train and go up to Wisconsin and visit our relatives, cousins, and she'd visit her sister uh, and her in-laws. Uh, uh, the um, um, the uh, Bai family, as they were called, mm-hmm. which by the name, uh, by the way, our name is Bai uh, in German and Bay otherwise. And my sister always went with the name Bai until she got married. And I, I went with Bay after we moved to Chicago. Yeah. But the Bai family lived in uh, Wisconsin Rapids and my mother's family lived in Marshfield. Mm-hmm. So uh, and it was only 35. Uh, well, I, I'm going to say 35 miles away. No, it couldn't have been that much. It was closer than that. But this was during the war when uh, we, we had a, an A sticker in our uh, windshield, so we, could, we had to go no faster than 35 miles an hour. That was uh, to save gas. I see. Uh, and um, uh, if you were really a valuable person, you had a C sticker, which means uh, you, you could get more gas. You didn't have okay. to, uh, you weren't limited in the gas. And, and I, I still don't think you could go any faster because the idea was to save on the gas. You're just a more valued person. Yes. Well, you, were, you apparently you added more to whatever. You could have been a, a military, um, somebody who makes munitions or things yeah. like that. So you're thrust into these leadership roles pretty early on you start working with your nine you you become the man of the family at 13 uh, what is like what's describe that like transition um going into it like are, do you feel obligated to well be you know I, I i kept hearing that story you're the man of the family right. um and I think, actually, I think I'm, I'm almost positive my sister really didn't like that. And I probably didn't handle it very well. And I'm okay. the, quote, man of the family. Yeah. And um, my mother, uh, of course, uh, she had to raise two children, uh, which wasn't easy. Uh, although um, there were times uh, when uh, I, I remember she used to, my dad had a different way of punishing, which is something you might find interesting back in those days um when you washed your clothes in a ringer washer you had a a big stick that you would pick the clothes up with and guide them into the into the ringer so that your fingers didn't get it and all that and so and that was of course in the basement and so if i'd misbehave um and again i'm speaking of marshfield uh situation um he would say go get the stick so i had to walk down the stairs from the second floor into the basement get the laundry stick 
take it upstairs, hand it to him, and lean over his lap while he whacked me yeah. with the laundry stick uh, for punishment. Now, my mother um, never used the laundry stick. She had the hairbrush. And so after he died, um, I wasn't that disciplined. I would run around the dining room table, and she would chase me with the hairbrush to, <laughs> try, to try and get it. And I do remember one time when she hit me hard enough that the brush broke off. Where the wow. where the and of course, uh, she started laughing, and I, I needless to say, quit crying and right. <laughs> laughed too because the, the brush broke in half. It's here. probably a little easier to outrun a, a brush than yeah, a stick. Well, and, and my mother, you know, with my dad, I would not have the. Uh, um, temerity to do that mm -hmm. uh no question about it he was the boss of the family in that regard yeah so so you're more or less you're you're in this position where you just keep going on and you just keep living um yeah I, work was was and then my mother did get a job then she went with the disabled american veterans being okay. a nurse she was able to evaluate when veterans got injured in the war or whatever, and they had to pay out money. She was able to evaluate whether the claims were legitimate and, and that, although she did lie about her age to, to get the job, but it was interesting. Uh, and then I, of course, used that. Uh, I, I never remember having to be... Uh, and I don't know quite why, uh, to uh, not be able to work because uh, I had to watch my sister. I, 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 don't, I don't remember that type of thing because I always was able to get whatever jobs I wanted. And I, I did find that as a, a way of uh, uh, earning my own money so that I was able to um, um, bowl. We, we, I like to bowl and, uh, and do other things, you know, buy, buy sweets for myself or whatever. You would bowl for a living? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 not for a living. It was a hobby. You know, oh, okay. I'm a kid, and you know, we go to the bowling alley and we oh, would bowl, just like you would play baseball or something mm -hmm. like that. No, okay. no, it would. No, no. Got it. Um, <laughs> not that good a bowler. Okay. Um, I'm looking at this picture right now of you um, with what seems to be like, was it 25 or 30 others of the um, the uh, $500 college newspaper scholarship, yes. right? Yes. And um, that's you were talking. You were mentioning earlier. That's what um, where the, the is where you get the means to be able to go to to college. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, and I I would have hoped that basically um, being a fatherless uh, at age uh, well I. I we're at the college already, but we haven't even touched on high school yet. But mm -hmm. at, at any event, um, I started college uh, in, uh, uh, let's see, uh, this was, I was uh, 17, so that would be 19, uh, 17 and 34 would be, what, uh, 1951. 51. That's correct. And Northwestern was celebrating their 100th anniversary in 1951. Mm -hmm. And Deering Library had all kinds of flowers over there and things like that. And um, so that newspaper scholarship got me through my first uh, three uh, quarters or, or year. 
But one thing I did, uh, which again was part of my thinking, is back in those days they had lotteries uh, that, uh, and you would, after you got 18, you'd have to um, sign up for the lottery and then they would draw based on your birthday. Uh, and it was just an, uh, a random drawing and you'd get a number anywhere from one to 365. And uh, the ones would, uh, and then they would draft basically on the basis of what your number was. And the only way you could avoid the draft is whether you were married or uh, if you um, were, uh, let's see, what else would be um, married or if you were in college. But then all they would do is defer it. They would not uh, uh, relieve you from having to do it. So I got a low, low draft number, uh, lottery number. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, was, I was, quote, drafted, but I didn't have to go in until I got out of college. And I knew I was going to have to put two years in at the minimum. Uh, right. If you wanted to be an officer, you could sign up and then be three years. But uh, I, I wouldn't have to do the minimum here. Uh, so um, in order to uh, not lose, quote, two years of my life, I decided to go through college in three years uh, by going uh, summers because we were on the quarter system. And I'm a little surprised that Northwestern was able to accommodate me because um, I paid my own tuition in the summer quarter then. Uh, and then the following uh, quarter when I was uh, going into my second quarter of my uh, of my uh, uh, sophomore year, uh, uh, there was a Roth, H&R Rothschild, I think was the name of the company. It was a clothing company, and she sponsored a kid at every school, and I was her commerce school student. Mm -hmm. And um, so they paid then again two-thirds of the tuition. I had to pay a third, but she paid two-thirds of it. And of course, it went up second uh, year, I think was like $750. Uh, instead of 575, and every year she'd have a a, a lunch with all her students, uh, and we'd all tell her how we're doing and things like that. And she'd be there with her driver, and it, it was it was a nice thing. Um, but uh, I only had three full years be, uh, because I graduated then at in the um, at the end of the summer because I started in the fall. Of, of when I was 20 years old. And the interesting there, thing there is we had a lot of veterans um, that were going to school at that time who had basically done their duty and, and qualified. And I remember some of them were, well, some of them that were in their 30s, you know. Uh, and I, I, I would, you know, get along with them fairly well. We chat and things like that. Um, and uh, I know, remember a guy named Ben O'Mori. Uh, he he worked on MacArthur's staff. Uh, he was a Japanese guy, but American. And um, he only got one. Uh, I think they had A, Bs, and Cs in those days. Yeah, I'm sure they did. He he got only um, one B. Everything else was an A, and that was in uh, Russian. Uh, mm -hmm. He was taking Russian, and the teacher never gave an A ever in his life. So oh, okay. Ben got a B, but. Uh, uh, it, it was interesting uh, uh, socializing with people who were that much older uh, and married and, and all that other kind of thing. And we try. I didn't push him too much about war stories, but sure. whenever they'd get on it, it would be interesting to hear. 
Yeah. So you, you were like all business going through trying to get done in three years. But, um, yeah. like you said earlier, they just built this new campus. Well, you were at the Evanston campus, right? I was the at Chicago. the Evanston. No, it wasn't a new campus at all. Okay. The, uh, commerce school was about as old as it came. Okay. And I don't even think they do the business school up there anymore. Mm. Uh, they, I think they do it down at downtown, but, um, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, I never really, so I, I belonged in a group called Men Off Campus. That was our, quote, fraternity, although it really wasn't much. We'd meet ever so often, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I was, uh, at that time, I know I was delivering newspapers. I, what I had done is I had gotten a job uh, running a, um, uh, I forget what they call it, a uh, uh, Depot. It's not Depot. I can't remember the name. But what they would do is there was a place that was uh, about a half a mile from my house, and they would um, drop the papers off in front of this barn. They called it a barn. That was it. Hmm. And uh, I had the key to the barn, but it was basically a a garage. And I would open the the, the door and lay out all these routes uh, because I knew uh, where the papers were supposed to go. And then... um, I would be there to get the calls from people who, oh, they were sick or they couldn't come in or whatever. And I'd always throw a rod off before any of the calls came in. I was getting there about 3, 3.30 in the morning. Jeez. There was, I was getting there, and on our route was the, um, the uh, uh, what's it, not Borden, Bowman, the Bowman Dairy. And the, the, the dairy drivers didn't get there. The only people that were up before me were the bakers. Mm. And I went through, past this bakery on the way to the barn every, every morning, and you could smell the... the, uh, the, uh, the, dough. the, the Well, you could smell the stuff being cooked, you know, cooked, the sweet rolls and things like, oh, God, that smelled good. <laughs> but anyway, um, I would uh, then get there and... Uh, Throw uh, throw off a route, and I remember then, uh, you know, you you, you would uh, they would always tip the uh, delivery boy uh, at Christmas time, and I remember going by and introducing myself, as, and this one guy said, I can't believe I was getting a newspaper at, before four o'clock in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. I've never had that. He was so excited uh, and thanking me so much. But then there was some. There was one other story too. Um, what I would do basically is. I would get a Dixie cup um, halfway in one of the routes, uh, probably one of the early routes I threw off. And I would stop at the the, uh, elevated station and it cost a nickel for the Dixie cup. Uh, And I'd always uh, have that nickel to to buy the Dixie cup. and uh, I had the newspapers in, in that time. I had had a, 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 a wagon, and you'd, you'd put the newspapers in the wagon, and you'd leave the wagon on the corner, and then you'd put them in a bag, and you'd do two or three blocks, and then you'd come back to your wagon and fill it up again. Mm-hmm. And um, a guy came at me one night, one time with a knife. Um, I was in the back of a, of a bill, apartment building getting ready to walk up the stairs and deliver the paper. Yeah. And he was an older guy. He had a 20s or something like that. And he had this big knife, and he wanted my money. And I said to him, I said, I, I, I'm sorry. 
sorry, I, I don't even wear a watch. I said, I do have a nickel here that I'm, I'm going to get a, uh, I was afraid he'd get pissed because he didn't, uh, I wasn't giving him any money. And I said, but you're welcome to all the papers you want. And, <laughs> and I said, uh, a, a nickel is all I have. Mm -hmm. And I do remember his, they're here now. Yeah. I do remember his comment. Well, you need it more than I. Yeah. Right. You want to stop? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I think that was that was the, great. The mowers going. The mowers are here. Yeah. If uh, people have noticed by now. But um, yeah, thank you so much. And I think next time we'll talk a little bit about your your stint in the army. Well, and we can. What comes well, after that? There, yeah, we can. We can do it this afternoon. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming by. Uh, well, I got tons of stories. I could keep you going forever. <laughs>